Hey everyone, this is Dr. Darian Parker with Dr. D's Social Network Podcast. Today's episode features April, a joy, and April is amazing. April does TikTok videos, which essentially are the humorous detoxification of conservative evangelicalism. This really resonated with me, and to make this episode really special, I had April send over uh, three of her TikTok videos, and so if you go to drdarianparker.com and podcast, you'll be able to watch the videos and then watch it roll into uh, our interview uh, that I had with April. This is the audio version here, so you'll listen to the videos and then we roll into the audio version of the interview. I hope you enjoy the time uh, that I had with April. Lots of information here, uh, again, that resonated deeply with me. So without further ado, check out these videos, the audio version here, uh, April A. Joy, the humorous detoxification of conservative evangelicalism. For the interview, and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the local. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the local. Pandemic coincidence? I think not. Is there not one church out there willing to call this the mark of the beast? NASA says T minus when counting down to launch. If you add that T back into the company's name and rearrange the letters, you get Satan. MAGA Christmas. Without God, our week would be sin day, mourn day, tears day, waste day, thirst day, fight day, shatter day, seven days without God makes one week. Thank you, God, that my name was on the wake-up list. I'm so blessed. Just a reminder that the final variant is called communism. God's hand is upon this amazing man. He'll be back. Salvation Army has gone woke. Unbelievable. This ministry can no longer be trusted. The six-panel door. The design of the door's top four panels is the cross. The bottom two are the open pages of the Bible. Liberal heads exploding in three, two, one. Eat USA beef, drill USA oil, stand for the American flag, believe in Jesus. You're you're one of them demon crats. You're an oppressor. I'm being oppressed. I just finished wrapping all of these presents for my two-year-old with the help of my nanny. Oh my gosh, she is such a godsend. And I was just sitting here reflecting on the gifts that were actually given to our Lord and Savior. And I just felt a tug on my heart, the Lord saying, go live and share. So one of the gifts that the wise men brought was frankincense. And it just so happens that frankincense was one of my top selling oils this past year. I don't know if you know this or not, but I started my own essential oil business. And Frankincense is amazing for yourselves. Like, really, the song should have been, Mary, did you know that frankincense would boost cellular function? <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'm not a singer. But seriously, essential oils have been life-changing. They're miraculous. I have seen oils heal broken bones, okay? And I just want to tell you my why. So my husband is a doctor, lawyer, CEO, and I just felt like I needed to make my own money so that I could give back. And what better way to give back than by offering 25% off all of my essential oils right now. I'm also going to open up two spots on my team. And girl, I think you'd be perfect for it. All right, April, you made it onto the podcast. Thank I you. made it. You made it. <laughs> I am here, ready to rock and roll. So it's funny. I, uh, I used to have Instagram. And when I had it for a short period of time, that's when I found you. And wow. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but oh, sad day. Kind of, kind of fun. It, you know, it just wasn't my thing. I don't know. A lot yeah. of this stuff isn't my thing, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but I got some gold out of it. 
And <laughs> you I, found I, me somehow found in that you, short and window. And I was laughing out loud, hilariously. I was like, this is so funny because this is how I feel. <laughs> so, That's awesome. So for some background, April does amazing videos on Instagram, TikTok, the whole deal, kind of about a humorously detoxifying religion, especially yes. with what's happening now. So let's get into a little bit your journey related to this. My journey. Yes. Um, well, I, it, you have to start with the childhood who back in my day, it all started as a little girl. Um, my parents were evangelists, pastors as a preacher's kid, very much, uh, like non-denominational Pentecostal, uh, pretty strict ish, but very conflated with being Republican. So I grew up, you know, believing that if you were a Christian, you were a Republican and that was that. Uh, couldn't understand the, the, like, could not fathom that a Democrat could be a Christian. It was just like <laughs> impossible. Um, so yeah. So, you know, I, I in high school, I literally made a MySpace group, you know, MySpace dating myself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That was, I'm a Christian, therefore I'm Republican. So real healthy stuff. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's pretty much my, my background was very much in it. I, at one point I wrote an original song called America say Jesus. And I sang it on the Jim Baker show. <laughs> and, uh, well, I was 17, I think. So, yeah, I was, I was very in it very much in, I guess now we would call it Christian nationalism. Yeah. I think that is this term Christian nationalism. I hadn't heard about it until recently. And I think there's, it's just a weird kind of dangerous thing it feels like in many ways can you speak about that a little bit yeah so i i think the danger in it is one it's a complete perversion of i still consider myself a christian but it's it just doesn't make sense with the actual teachings of jesus it says like for god so loved the world and when you're a christian nationalist and america first where you put america for like forgetting the fact that there's like billions and billions like billions of people around the world that are also god's creation that he loves just as much as us crazy people in america um yeah it, it's it's so it's a selfish faith it makes it about my rights um you know my i, I feel like a lot of people almost put the constitution on par with the Bible and holy yeah. sacred works, which is so weird to me. Cause so it's strange. like, we've only, we've only been around like a couple hundred years. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think we're seeing it. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, white evangelical Christianity has pretty much been a problem forever, but you know, we're seeing it now, the problem being, you, you know, January 6th from last year, the insurrection, right. the, the amount of Jesus flags that were in the crowd mixed in with the Trump flags, you know, people that claim to be Christian and claim to love their neighbor chanting, hang Mike Pence, you know, like, I don't, it just, it doesn't make sense. There's so much cognitive dissonance between the faith that they're claiming and the actions that they're doing. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I was actually talking to my wife about this and we've been uh, lifelong Christians and stuff. I'm like, I don't know those people. Like, I'm mm -hmm. like, I, I don't, this is like a whole alien population of people believing God. It's like a strange thing. What was, what do you feel is like been the turning point with all this? Maybe that feels obvious, maybe not, but uh, yeah, I have a follow-up thing, but let's start with that. So I do think Trump 
is the obvious flame. Mm-hmm. I, and not that I don't think he made it worse. I think all of these things were there already, but he kind of empowered people to be their worst selves because yeah. they felt they felt like it was okay because they saw the president saying these awful things, doing these terrible things. And they're like, oh, I can say that. And look, and, and Trump, for the most part, was not really held accountable. Right. You know, he got away with most of the things. So you see these Christians that have probably been thinking these things for years and saying these things, but they just, because I heard them, you know, saying racist yeah. things, homophobic things, just very selfish things in our groups. And now they just feel enabled to say them out loud to the larger public. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. So I think Trump is a huge, huge part of it, but Trump's also been the wake up call for a lot of people like me. I mean, I was already kind of waking up out of like more fundamentalist, like white evangelical Christianity. Um, but Trump, I feel like just shown a light on all the hypocrisy and the racism and the stuff that was kind of laying dormant, or at least was so buried that it was hard to see. Yeah. And then it just came to the surface. And those of us that at least were trying to pay attention were like, oh, I do not want to be a part of this. This is, this is not good. Yeah. And what's interesting is you see, like, if you pay attention to, you know, research information related to there's always new articles out about how like church membership is down mm-hmm. and and how but that people believing in god is not down right it's how they're being fed is be is like the church is a very hasn't progressed a lot of the times but then it has in weird mega church ways and stuff like mm-hmm. that speak about kind of where we're at with church in general and yeah is the church in trouble in its current form? I, I mean, I really hope the church is in trouble. I am so done with this church. With, well, I have to clarify. It's like white conservative evangelical. It's like right. a certain sect, but they are the ones that group is the biggest power structure currently in America, at least. Um, but I do think they're in trouble because I think the majority of where their money comes from are more like boomers slightly older like you know there's a few millennials and gen z but most of that money is coming from boomers which are dying off you know to be you know not to be callous but um so i i think eventually they're going to run out of money because millennials are millennials and gen z are like the least church generation um we stopped going to church i mean and we were dedicated churchgoers my entire life and i only stopped going because the pandemic forced me to stop going Um, but yeah, I think the church is in, in big trouble because they have for the most part, and obviously this is not everybody, but I feel like you have these pastors who are defending, supporting Trump. I mean, Trump just spoke at first Baptist Dallas, you know, a couple weeks back, you know, gave him the Sunday morning pulpit. What? You didn't know about this? No, I didn't. I try to, I don't like, I don't like, yeah, no, it's it's bad. (laughs) It's bad. And they like talk about him as if he's this godly person. Oh, and no. so they have made their bed with Trump and the Republican party, not even the Republican party, the Republican party is so far gone at this point. They have, yeah. anyway, very I think the fractured. Republican, yeah. yeah, very fractured. They've, they've chosen extremism. And the, the hard part is, is they have been some pastors that speak out, but for the most part, those people are being 
like blacklisted or shunned or losing their ministries and losing their platform. So there's a lot of pastors that are being silent, but that's going to cost them too. I think, I think so. Um, Yeah. So, because I see, I see, I know which pastors are not speaking up against it. Cause honestly, the people that are praising Trump and saying just, you know, anti-critical race theory, being very political, just like stupid stuff. And for what anti-COVID, um, like spreading COVID conspiracies, anti-vaccine, anti-wearing masks, like people will remember what they did, what they're doing right now. And I don't think it's going to do well for them in the long run. And I hope it doesn't like, I hope, I hope it crashes and burns. (laughs) Yeah. I think, gosh, I was, I was driving, you know, through the mountains and I live in Washington here and uh, we're Mm -hmm. on a little trip and I'm looking at the mountains. So beautiful. I don't know. I just started thinking about God and I was like, man, the church is in big trouble. It just came to me. I was like, the church is dying, but it's really Mm -hmm. the church's fault. Uh, These old ideas and, and, and paying attention making decisions about things that are antithetical to the the roots of Mm -hmm. love and goodness and kindness and humility. I think you're right. People remember that. They're like, wait a minute. This Mm -hmm. is not the teaching of this, but it's the Mm -hmm. greed and the the loss of integrity. And I think people aren't going to church. They're like, listen, I believe, but there's got to be a better way than this, than Mm -hmm. to be a part of organizations that are essentially just and like, well, money first. And money first, have, and they're oppressive. Right, and it's oppressive. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you see like these churches who are, there's smaller churches who are trying to change where yeah. they're like more inclusive. You know, one of the things that bothered me the most is this crazy, I don't know how you feel about it, this crazy things about uh, lesbian and gay people, like not, you know, they're terrible. I'm like, this is crazy to me. Jesus mm-hmm. loves all people, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. How could that, how could be excluding people? Like, yeah, no, it's, it's quite literally antichrist, like the opposite of the what anti- Jesus would seriously. do. It has nothing to do with that stuff. Like, no, and the, the alienation that they do. Well, and I think one of the bigger, one of the things that was surprising to me, I think was I started speaking out on Facebook, which is dangerous. Cause that's where you, the people, you know, <laughs> that's where it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not on so there I, either, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. That's, that's probably really smart. Uh-huh. I have this, I have this whole series on that. I do on TikTok where I just screenshot things that Christians post on Facebook and I block out their names to protect yeah. identities. Cause I'm not trying to get people bullied, but Christians are, it's white Christians. It's white. it's white Christians. Yeah. They say the craziest stuff that I just like blast. Cause I'm like, people need to know that this is what people are thinking. And gen- like the way that they, the mental gymnastics they do to use scripture. Like I have seen scripture used, like I like when the trumpet sounds, they think trumpet is Trump. Oh Pence. my gosh. <laughs> they think the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast and revelation, like insane and in- insane stuff. Um, so I, and I, and I think too, growing up, I was always taught, even if I thought something was like insane and just ridiculous, you're always taught, you know, don't, don't make the church look bad. Don't ever talk right. about anything, the bad that the church does or that a pastor does, because that causes division. And that makes, that could lead people away from the faith. But I actually think not calling out these things is what's leading people away from the faith because yeah. people see the hypocrisy and they see what looks like indifference and people being like, oh yeah, we're cool with abuse. We're cool with mistreating yeah. people. We just want to make the church look bad. 
when in reality, like there's a movement. I mean, I don't know if you'd want to call it a movement, but a lot of people are doing what's called deconstructing, like deconstructing Mm -hmm. the Christian faith. And um, a lot of pastors are demonizing it because it's, I would consider myself in that camp. So I'm basically deconstructing, relooking at what I was taught uh, about my faith and taking apart what is man-made and trying to figure out what is actually from Christ Mm. and kind of rebuilding my faith based on that, because especially with Trump, but just actually, once my eyes were opened, I realized how much of my beliefs were based on just a white evangelical version interpretation of the Bible. And a lot of it like, wasn't even biblical. It was like guns. What does that have to do with the Bible? Like lay down your weapons. Don't pick up your weapons. Um, so, and, and I think, you know, I've heard my whole life, oh, revival's coming. Just wait, like the revival's going to come. I think the revival is happening with these people that are deconstructing and leaving the church, but not leaving their faith. Right. And they're finding a way to live out their faith more authentically outside of church walls. Yeah. Isn't that, I had a guy on, uh, you might be interested in this episode. It's called Sex, Drugs, and Jesus. We did. Mm. It was really cool. Sounds good uh, already. That's great, right? And (laughs) a gay gentleman, and he got kicked out of his church in Texas. Surprise. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Like, sorry, Texas, but you know. Mm. Uh, I'm from Texas, so I get it. And, um, you know, it really hurt. It it caused this really downward spiral in his life because he was serving in all these different aspects of the church, and he loves God still. Mm. And they found out he was gay, and they, they kicked him out of the church. And mm. it's stuff like that that has made me deconstruct. Yeah. I'm in the same place. Like, I think my wife and I are very much in the same place. It's like, okay, we really got to rethink this. Like, we are, we still are very much into it. But like, like you said, what's man-made? What's the fallacy here? Right. And what's the reality? Because the reality is you shouldn't be kicking people out because they have a different sexual orientation. Or, the, oh, yeah. uh, you know, their gender is different you know, they are transgender and stuff. It's, it says more about the people who are doing it than the people mm-hmm. showing up who have, who have this going on. And it's, uh, there's an awakening happening with mm-hmm. this. And I think the church in its current form is very scared of it. You could tell, you could just tell, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and I think one of the biggest, I keep saying one of the biggest, there's been so many wake up <laughs> A lot of big things. Uh, but <laughs> one thing that I've noticed is that when people when Christians use scripture to oppress and to put people in their place, like they're, they're rarely using the words of Jesus. They're using Paul, they're using the old Testament. They're using all of these things that are not the word of God. Cause the word of God is Jesus. The word of God is not the Bible. So I've, and so that's kind of when I've been reworking how I read the Bible, when I read a scripture, I'm like, okay, does this script, could I use this scripture to bring freedom? And to edify or do, or am I, would I use the scripture to oppress? And I think like, I want to choose scripture that edifies and brings liberation and freedom and not, you know, because I mean, for, you know, slavery, the Christians then were using scripture to justify it and to support it. So you can use scripture to justify the most atrocious things. And it's about, and I don't think that's what Jesus came for. He didn't come for us to follow a book that oppresses people. Yeah. It's kind of like when somebody has a research article and they just pick out the one thing they want to see that supports Mm -hmm. their ideology or their thing. It's like, okay, what's the context behind this? 
-hmm. know, what's, what's your digital literacy in this case, what's your biblical literacy actually Mm -hmm. for that? I think a lot of people are suffering for that, but you know, I want to, and I think I have this in the video is I love the unrelatable Christian mom video. (laughs) It's actually hilarious. Where did you get that from? Like, did you, you've met, I've certainly probably met a lot of Christian moms probably like, yes, yes. Well, I, I am a mom. So I've been in some a lot of it comes from Facebook, but I've been in mom's groups that I've gone to at church and I've gone to fancy, uh, not fancy, but just like dinners with mom's group. Cause I, early on when I was, you know, when I was a new mom, I was just desperate for connection and I was at a church and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm drowning in little people. (laughs) So I need connections. And just like, just the, 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 some of the things that the moms would say to just like over-spiritualize every stupid little thing. Like, oh man, like, oh, my two-year-old just wouldn't take a nap the other day. And I just know the devil was getting to her and oh da, 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 da. and I'm like, <laughs> no, your, your two-year-old has molars coming in. That's why yeah, she no. was being fussy. Yeah. Like it was not a satanic attack on you. <laughs> um, just like stupid stuff. Like, no, that's, that's just a two-year-old being a two-year-old and, um, you know, you have like the, like, or you have like the really wealthy moms that have nannies and afford all these things. And, and like, I don't know if you know who Rachel Hollis is. She wrote a book called girl, wash your face. And I don't know, girl, stop apologizing or whatever, but she was, she is one of the worst of them. Cause she'll, she talks about her struggles and all these things. She's got a nanny and a nice house. (laughs) It's like, "Mm." Mm. No. I, yeah, like just like that is not relatable at all. She thinks it's relatable. They they, yeah. they think they're relatable. They're not. I think that's one of the interesting things for me. I mean, I've actually had a lot of really good church experiences, but I think what's is hard is like when it's unrelatable to like mm-hmm. just people's regular everyday life. You know, mm-hmm. when the pastor one, I don't like that. It's just like mostly male pastors. I never like mm-hmm. that. I'm like, what yeah. is this? Uh, and today's it's the patriarchy, right? It's what stupid. it is. Yeah. And then too, like, I want my pastor to be a relatable person. Like I want him to like every once in a while, watch a football game and drop an F-bomb, you know, like, mm-hmm. or, you know, he, he maybe chugs a beer once a year or something, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like a very flawed person or she's a very flawed person or they are a very flawed person. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I messed up a lot too and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of this holier than thou person where you see them. It's like, man, this person is not a, regular person to me. Mm-hmm. I'm always turned off by that. Yeah. I think that's one of the things too, especially growing up being a pastor's kid. So much of my life was not even necessarily what I actually did, but what I presented to the world, mm-hmm. like how the world perceived me. Yeah. Um, you know, we wanted people to think of the pastor's family as just good and wholesome <laughs> and, and all of these things. So, yeah. you know, like I remember at one point, this was way back. We, they had since like loosened up, but there is a season where like my parents, we, we would go to a theater that was farther out of town because we didn't want people in the church. Some people in the church thought going to the movie theater was bad. So we didn't want them to see us going to the theater, even though we didn't think it was bad, but we didn't, you know, Oh, Paul says like, be all things, all people that, that verse. Um, but yeah, I think that's my, (laughs) that's one of my biggest issues. (laughs) There I go again. One of my biggest, I've got lots of issues. One of my issues (laughs) is, uh, just the fact that people can't be real and vulnerable in the church, like in small groups, everyone's, everyone says the kind of the same type of thing or they're struggling or, uh, it's like, everyone has to have the same struggle. It can't be too bad of a struggle. If it's too bad of a struggle, you're going to get judged. 
but it's, yeah. it can't be like too stupid of a struggle. Like how many, how many times have you heard the sermon illustration of a pastor, uh, how he loses his patience in traffic, you know? And then <laughs> he's like, Oh, but then, but then God's like, you know, you just got to be cool in the moment. It's like, that's such a stupid <laughs> example. Like, like, yeah, you're trying to be relatable. Like, tell us about the time you got in a fight with your wife. Yeah. And like, how did you like resolve that? Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, it's this, it's this like desire. I don't know, this need to be perfect or at least to present perfect. Like yeah. it's just so you can't be real. And there's certain issues that are taboo. Like if I, you know, if I was questioning my gender identity or my sexuality, or if I was like having something that was a real struggle that I'm internally dealing with, I, most churches I could never talk about without right. being completely shunned. Yeah. It's, and that, and that's, you feel like that should be the place you should be able to talk about these things mm-hmm. and be your most vulnerable self. It's funny you mentioned small groups, man. Like I remember when I was in my twenties and I joined a small group and I did a couple of them and I'm like, why are these groups always like the leader of the group is always the most messed up person. <laughs> it's like, it's like desperately trying to be perfect. I mean, there's a lot of value to it, but I've always like, man, this doesn't feel authentic to me. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like native to me. I think sometimes for me with these experiences in the past, I would feel bad. Like, why am I not into this? You yeah. know, but then you couldn't really say that to somebody in the church. And be no, like, really? like, no, you could never say that you would, they would question your spiritual level, right? Oh, you know, you're, you're just, you're just not close enough to God. You, you got to die to your flesh. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> i never liked that term by the way <laughs> no I, I never either like i don't want to die like, i don't want to but you know it's like those things is like i would feel that you know mm-hmm. but then like the first church i really loved when i was in college the pastor was hilarious he was a vietnam vet and he was like yeah you know i sit around in my underwear and you know mm-hmm. and uh i don't know you know i like listening to gangster rap i was like oh my gosh i love this guy That's he's cool. like amazing he's like does stuff i do it's mm-hmm. <laughs> like and then like, it's just like, where's the regular people, you know? Right. And I wonder, maybe it's that whole human conflict of power and prestige, if that mm-hmm. takes over, you know, do you see that? Oh yeah, for sure. I think that's part of how the church became such a power structure to begin with. It's manipulation, it's control, it's making cookie cutter versions of people. Like everyone comes in and we're striving, to, which is so... This is the thing that, that I realize now looking back, there's just so much cognitive dissonance that of these certain beliefs, like we're saved by grace. Like it's not by works at all. Like you are like your salvation is just solely through Jesus. You you don't have to earn it, but then you go to church and there's all these rules on top of like that aren't from Christ. Like I went to a Christian, I went to a few Christian colleges because I transferred play basketball, but, um, one that, one that I went to was an assemblies of God school and it was insane. They had rules just for the sake of rules. Like we had a saying that said for all have sinned and fallen short of the assemblies of God, because it was just stupid. Um, (laughs) but like we were in college and we could only watch G or PG movies in the common areas in college. We were not allowed to write. We were not allowed to watch R rated movies at all except for the passion of the Christ. And one, <laughs> at one point we had, um, the, I don't know if you've seen the movie blood diamond with Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. Yes. We had that movie poster in our dorm room and they f- were going to fine us $25 because it was a rated R movie. It was just the poster. Wow. Like just stupid. Like what's the point? What, what, yeah. 
we just like looking at Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah, just stupid rules for the, the sake of rules. Yeah. And for what? It's like, and that's, I don't know. I just feel like there's just in this world, I shouldn't have to worry about whether or not my shoulder is showing. Like purity culture was, we, we had a purity week at the same college. Are you serious? We're, yes, we're a purity week. And it was called purity week. And we had chapel morning and night and you had to go. It was mandatory. And at the end, they had like a purity pledge altar call where you would come forward to pledge your, your purity until marriage. And you had these purity pledge cards where you would sign your name and you would vow to save yourself. And you would check, you would say like, I April running am a virgin or secondary virgin. And you would check which one you were virgin. What's that? Yeah. That would mean that you had already had sex, but (laughs) God was redeeming you to be a secondary virgin again. Well, well, it's a lot to handle. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up at all. And there was a guy from the pulpit on one of these sermons that says he'd seen, he had seen God supernaturally restore girls hymens so they could be like physical virgins. I don't believe that. <laughs> but anyway, so, I, love like, that. How, I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Like how did he physically did see happen? girls? Like that's, that's already problematic to begin with. That's no, already it didn't creepy. Happen. I mean, no, it's super <laughs> creepy. Also, I want to be like, you know, girls can break their hymens like without having sex. Yeah. We don't have to go into all the ways no. that, that can happen, but it's, well, it's very common. <laughs> he threw me off with a secondary virginity. I think that's <laughs> long gone at the- <laughs> No, no. You, did you know God can restore your, your virginity, apparently? I mean, that's news to me. I've been alive for 43 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never heard of that. No, it's so stupid. The church is so obsessed with sex. For people that yes. like hate sex, they are obsessed with Yeah, it. you know, I was going to say is like, it's almost like this, hey, let's have this like sexless, let's not talk about this type of thing, but it's always about sex on something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what is that? I mean. Oh my gosh, I remember being, I was probably- Ah, I was middle school or high school going to women's events, which I hated women's events, by the way, church women's events are the absolute (laughs) worst. Um, but they would get up there and like, all they would talk about was like marriage and having babies and like serving your husband because your husband is your head of household. So you're beneath him. Um, and you have to obey him and like super cringy stuff. And I remember being young, like I was a teenager. And the woman who was speaking was talking to the wives in the room and she was saying, or, you know, your young ladies who will soon be a wife, um, cause okay. God forbid you stay single. Like that would be the worst <laughs> thing. Um, but she was just saying, you know, there's going to be times that your husband's going to want to have sex and you're not going to want to, but it is your godly duty to have sex with him whenever he wants it. Whoa. Like you just put out because that's what God wants you to do. So like, but don't have sex before you get married. So it was very conflicting messages of like, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. And they would also teach girls that if you had sex before you were married, you would be like a chewed up piece of gum. Or they would do an example of like, here's a water bottle. And then they would let five guys spit in it. And then they'd be like, now who would want to drink this? (laughs) Insinuating that's that's a girl who's had sex. And they never really talked about the guys that would have sex. It was always the girls. So you were this delicate flower that you had to save yourself until marriage because you would be absolutely disgusting if you did it. But then as soon as you get married, then you're supposed to put out all the time, out all the time and be like some sex goddess or (laughs) something. Right. Which like your sexuality is not a switch. So purity culture just about, cause I mean, I, even though I thought it was stupid many times was very much affected by purity culture because it was so ingrained. So like when I got married, 
like it was a, it was a struggle for me like purity culture ruined my sex life for a long time really? until I went to therapy and did a bunch of things to, like I had to actually work to unlearn that I was an object yeah. like they would never say a woman is an object but that was essentially what they were teaching by saying yeah. that you are you are there to please your man at all times whenever he wants it and that's crazy that's actually crazy yeah. I mean, you know, what's, you know, what's really creepy is like, you ever seen those shows that like purity things where the dads, they take them to like this retreat or something and they take their daughters mm. and they go and they pledge this purity thing. It just looks like a bunch of creepy guys taking under, you know, little girls to say, you're not going to have sex. It's like, it's mm. like very creepy to me. It's like, oh yeah. And then the dad gives them like a promise ring. The promise like, ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. It, the whole scene looks super creepy to me. It just does. It's just so strange well it's like it's like the woman's entire worth and value is in her virginity yeah is in her sexuality well i guess is, if you slip up you can, you can be a secondary virgin so i mean right right there's always store. there's always that option <laughs> <laughs> you can check that box <laughs> I, you, I what's that box look like it's like yes i have okay yeah we're gonna <laughs> like there's oh, a lot know. of labels <laughs> like, oh so many labels yeah and i remember so i had you know, I was human. So I, I had had sex before I got married with one guy that I had dated for two years. And I remember I was still going to like, I went to like Christian grad school. And when I would meet new friends and I would tell them like, you know, when when we would have deep conversations, like, I felt like I had to confess it to everyone that I met because I didn't know that they would be friends with me if they found out because it was (laughs) such a huge deal in certain circles. I'd be like, you know, like I messed up and you know, I did sleep with a guy that I was dating for two years and I was, you know, loved him and blah, blah, blah. And then be like, oh my gosh, that's so hard. Like, I'm so glad that God redeemed you. And it, it was like so dramatic. <laughs> it was so dramatic. And I remember after I got married, I, I had a friend who was not religious or a Christian. Yeah. And then we were, she was, we were just talking about past relationships and I like did the same thing. Cause I just assumed it's just terrible with everybody that you meet. And I was like, yeah, I did have sex with, you know, one guy before my, my spouse. And she was like, you only had sex with one guy. <laughs> and like, at all, it was like the first time I got that reaction. Just like, so like nonchalant. I was like, wow, that's really refreshing to not just immediately feel judgment from someone. Yeah. So yeah, that's amazing. So yeah. If you- if you had to like construct like the perfect relationship that you're, mm. you're deconstructing it right now, like what's the perfect relationship related to church or God and Jesus that you could see or you're working towards mm. or the most, the best approach, maybe perfect's not the right word. The yeah. Best the approach. best approach. So one, so I've kind of, I feel like for a lot of my life, I tried really hard to be a good Christian Mm-hmm. which is what, you know, now the church, you know, good Christian, you read your Bible, you pray, you go to church, you share your faith, you do all of the things, you vote Republican. You know, like, <laughs> it always comes back to that. <laughs> it always comes back to that. You know, so try to be a good Christian. But there were times that by trying to do those things, it actually made me a bad human, you know, mm-hmm. because I, you know, I would say I don't see color. Good Christians don't see color. But in, <laughs> in reality, that was making me, not see real systemic racism and exactly. like contribute to the problem. Like that made me a worse person or because I was trying to be a good Christian. I couldn't enable someone's sin. So I couldn't really be friends with gay people without feeling like I had to convert them and make them straight somehow, which right. made me a worse human. Yeah. Um, and now I feel like the best option is one, just to love people 
and just to try to be a good human. And like by being a good human, I'm actually a much better Christian. <laughs> exactly. Because just like, I feel like the, the basics are just love God, love people. And as long as Pretty I'm much. loving people and doing my best to make this world a better place, I really don't think it really matters what my beliefs are. Cause when I was like really deep in evangelicalism, everyone had this need to be right. And what we believed was absolutely right. It was a very black and white way of thinking. This is right. This is wrong. I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. And really no one really knew why we believe those things. We just believe those things because everybody told us that's what we believe. Um, but I just don't think belief in and of itself really matters. It's, it's an intangible. And so I think, I think it just comes back to love and just be doing the best that we can and taking the pressure off ourselves. Yeah. We, I mean, we have a very, I think we, we've met at the same point in our lives right now. With yeah. this, I'm in the same thing. And, and actually I, I don't go to physical church anymore. Mm. I, I watch the church I used to go to in Las Vegas. Funny enough. Mm. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's kind of like, it's not a mega church, but it's like in the middle, whatever that mm -hmm. is. And the past, it's like a mid-size, you know, sedan type of thing. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> but the pastor there is an amazing guy. He's just like a regular dude. And it broke my heart one time. If you'll bear with me real quick, this guy came up to him and mm. he was telling the story. He said, pastor, I feel so bad. I was watching a football game and I had a beer and I said a bad word. And he said, oh, that doesn't matter. It really mm. doesn't matter. You shouldn't allow yeah. these things to like make you feel like you broke some wall of shame Yeah. for like mm. what he's like, I lose my religion regularly. <laughs> that what mm -hmm. he said? You know, and it, what's how sad is that, that somebody comes to you and they profess something that is so trivial, mm. but they think it's like this damning thing about their spirituality. That hurts oh, yeah. me to hear that from people, you know? Well, there's so many people that are living such oppressed lives because they think what they do, which I, I do think what we do matters in this world, but sure. not, not little things, you know, yeah. like take the pressure off and just live your life. <laughs> like I, I, you know, they say like, well, when you give your life to Christ, that you have freedom in Christ, so you have complete freedom in Christ to just live and be free and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, a lot of people that claim to be free in Christ are actually living in prisons that they've made for themselves because right. they feel, you know, like, for example, like I, I have a friend who is, who is gay, but is choosing to repress that side because they would lose their entire community because they're very deep in evangelical culture. Right. And they like, they, they're depressed. They, they feel it, it really breaks my heart because I'm like, yeah. you can just live and be who God made you to be and it's okay. But everyone around them is saying like, no, if you do that, you're out. Like it's, it's just really, it's really tragic. But I think on this side of it, just realizing that I can be who God's made me to be regardless of what the church says about it. Because at the end yeah. of the day, that's man, that's just yeah. humans. And I believe that Christ loves everybody no matter how they identify, no matter how they dress, no matter who they love. And the real freedom in Christ is just being your authentic self because we're all image bearers. We're all the, we're all image bearers of God. And I think the, the best way to honor God is to be our complete selves because that's who God made us to be. Yeah. It's a, uh, I was thinking, I have a daughter, I know you have kids and, uh, and I always tell her, I was like, listen, 
whoever, whatever you identify as being, whoever you are, I will, I will always love you. I will embrace mm. it. I will mm -hmm. embrace whatever you feel like this is who you are. And what is so sad is like in the church, that's not the, that's not the tenet. Mm -hmm. It's like, I saw this documentary is like conversion. I think it's pretty new, but it's old stuff. You know how they used to back in the day. Maybe they still do. I don't know. In some places they try to convert gay people. Oh yeah. Conversion therapy. Conversion, And that's just like, this is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever mm -hmm. seen. It's so damaging to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? no, it's, it's spiritual abuse. It's spiritual it, abuse. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, I know it's, like it's, it's actually evil. Stuff. It's evil, right? It's like, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that person, but you're mm -hmm. using religion to try to say, oh, you're a bad person. You know, mm -hmm. like you're not meant to be this way. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what is, what does that mean? It's yeah. No, one of my, I have two brothers. One of my brothers is gay mm -hmm. and knew he was gay since he was in middle school, but of course he did, pray, but prayed and prayed, like bawled his eyes out every night, going to sleep, begging God to make him straight. Cause he thought he'd be damned to hell and that no one would love him and that he was irredeemable and unlovable because he was this awful thing, you know, that the church said was just the worst thing you could do or be. And, you know, I've, he's obvious, he came out to me six years ago. So he was like 26 and I was the first person that he had told, like kept that secret for that long. Wow. And he's told me that he's only been able to really feel the love of God since he's embraced who he is wow. and like has been able to feel God love him who as, as him, like in his full self. I'm like that, that is the love of God. Like we say yeah. that God's love is unconditional and the American church puts so many conditions on God's love that just should not be there. Yeah. How, how crazy is that? I mean, like that actually is really heartwarming to think about it, that mm -hmm. your brother grew closer in his relationship mm -hmm. after did that. That's really cool. Like, and switching here, when did the videos start? These videos, because people <laughs> are going to see these. They're hilarious. There's literally hilarious. I don't find a lot of things funny. I'm like, ah, eh, it's kind of juvenile. So, like, <laughs> these are actually funny videos. When did this start? Well, well, the pandemic started in 2020 and <laughs> I, I downloaded this teen dancing app called TikTok because we were all home and why not? So I was like, what's this all about? Um, and one day I got tired of talking about it on Facebook because, you know, my family was starting to think the devil was taking me down a dark path oh, because I didn't man. vote for Trump. Um, so there it goes again. It comes back. I know. I know. So I was like, you know, I'm going to make this video. So I made one video, the, my very first video, I made it in May of 2020. And I'll remember it forever because it started this whole thing is I made a video, which essentially just said, when you're a Christian who doesn't like Trump, you get kicked out of the club and it got almost a million views and oh. a lot of, and I thought I would get, and I did get some hate, obviously okay. I did get yeah. some, well, of course. but most of the responses I got were other Christians being like, oh my gosh, you don't like Trump either. I thought I was <laughs> the only one. And so it was like that. I had thousands of comments on that thing of people being like me too, me too. Oh my gosh. Can we start a club? Because wow. I, you know, and it was people that really thought they were alone because everyone around them were big Trump supporters and they thought they were going crazy. Cause I do think for the first couple of years, I was like, am I the crazy one? Cause everyone around me is like really loves Trump and I don't get it. Like I, there's something wrong with me. Um, but yeah, so I just started making more of that content and just was like, I, I got a lot of DMS and private messages of people just saying like, 
it feels like they feel seen and validated in their feelings and have been able to start healing from a lot of their religious trauma that they haven't been able to really put words to. And so I kind of do it in a humorous way. Sometimes I'll be more direct, but I think humor can just, it's just a, sometimes it can be more palatable and sometimes you can say something without saying it in a way that like really brings it to light for people. And, and also we all just need to laugh. Like laughter is kind of how I cope. And I think it's really good medicine. And so I can look back at these insane things that I've lived through, which most of my sketches um, are based on real life experiences. And so I just look back and I can laugh about it because here I am on this side. Thank God I survived it. Thank God I'm not in that anymore. And I'm going to laugh about it because some of the stuff is so stupid and ridiculous. (laughs) And, you know, if some people, and my hope is that maybe someone who's still really deep in evangelicalism could see it and laugh about it for what it is. And then maybe take a step back and think, huh, maybe there's something wrong with this. Maybe I should dig deeper with what is wrong about this and reevaluate certain things in my life. What's so. the, um, what was your favorite video to do of all the ones um, you've done? Uh, gosh, there's been, there's been so many. I, I recently did one with my, with my spouse. <laughs> that was a, a reenactment, uh, or it wasn't a reenactment. We, we put this video of a clip from this lady who's off. She's on the Jim Baker show a lot. And she was telling this story of, um, it's seriously insane. Like you'll just have to watch it. But she was telling the story of, of how some, something like possessed her husband at night in bed. Oh, okay. And, and basically she eventually gets to that. It was a reptile and he wanted to have sex with her. And it's like, it's the most, it's an insane story, but she tells it, (laughs) she tells it, she tells it with words. And she's like, and I said to him, who are you? And he told me I'm Xerxes. And so my husband and I, we were in bed and we just acted the whole thing out. And I was in this like ridiculous wig to look like her. And uh, you just, you just got, I'm giving, I'm not doing it justice, but it was really fun to just act out this insane story. That sounds incredibly amazing. Uh, (laughs) I mean, do you ever like think to yourself, like, have people always been this crazy or is like this certain level of like the internet and social media has like allowed people to let their, you know, like gay people are coming out, lesbian people are coming out, crazy people are coming out too now. Mm-hmm. Apparently. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Lots yes. Of coming it's out. okay to be nutty. Yeah. <laughs> some be- yeah. Some of the coming out's good. And then a lot of it. Yeah. But I mean, I do think we've probably always had crazy people. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird though, because I do think as long as religion is mixed in with the crazy, like Christianity, yeah, it's people just give it a pass for whatever reason. Like range. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I do think the internet and social media has made it so that the crazy people can find each other and then they just yeah. build on each other's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but, um, gosh, it was like, the devil, you know, I watch a lot of shows. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm into like, and I love anything with a cult. I'm totally in. Oh, I love cult like, shows. I'm to- yeah. I've watched probably every cult show movie you've ever, ever mm. heard of in your life. But this that whole Sherry Shriner cult thing fascinated me crazy. And she thought the reptile people mm. were like, you know, shapeshifters and stuff. But she was like the problem big time besides that heavily into God. Like she was mixing mm. scripture with people or reptiles they're shape-shifting and it was like a huge cult. It's still going on. 
Yeah. And it's like this extremism is just another cult. Right. And unfortunately, people who are not into God and religion, what do you think they're going to think about this? They were like, this is full of crazy people. Oh, it is <laughs> full of crazy people. I mean, if you think, but like we, Christianity, at least American evangelical Christianity has some belief, like crazy beliefs in and of itself. Like even the rapture is an, right. is an insane belief. Right. So if you can believe that at any moment, people are just going to disappear and leave their clothes behind in a perfectly folded pile. And <laughs> that's what the movies tell you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's always but like people really believe that. I mean, I remember, I remember being, I was 14, I think. And I was on the computer and I suddenly the house was just really quiet. And I got up and I couldn't find my family anywhere. And my mom's purse was still there and she had just done laundry. So there was like folded clothes and the cars oh, were no. still on the garage. And I remember being terrified thinking, oh my gosh, I've been left behind. I've been left behind. Did I, when was the last time I said the sinner's prayer? I'm like yeah. starting to have like a panic attack thinking that like, oh my gosh, I got to prepare to take the mark of the beast. Oh my gosh. Can I take, can I get, do I have the guts to let my head be chopped off so that I can go to heaven? Like insane <laughs> beliefs that I actually believed. So when you actually believe these things, it's, it's easy to believe that there's also reptile people that are going to possess <laughs> your husband in bed to try to have sex with you for who knows what reason. Or you're going to a Kirk Cameron movie, I guess. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? no, it's, it's well, and that's the bad part about religious exemption too, because all these cults get to claim religious exemption, which right. for the most part, the government doesn't kind of leaves them alone, right. which yeah, that's that's a whole other issue. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. But you would think, look on the outside. Like if I had never been exposed to it and, and have the feelings I have, I might be like, these people are nutty. They're like crazy. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. so I can identify kind of like in looking outside of the, the glass, I go, OK, how can I was thinking about how can I present myself in a way that is not like crazy to people? Because really, yeah. it's not crazy. It's a very beautiful thing that has been really tampered with, which what mm -hmm. humans do is like when my pastor said, you know, the church would be perfect. There was no people in it. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. People are so weird. You know? Oh my gosh. We're, we're so weird. And I just think God is so, God is just so much bigger than yeah. the beliefs that we have. Like we put them in such a box. Oh, God can only love you. If you do this, God can only redeem you. If you do this, if you're this type of person and that type of person. And like, no, God literally created the whole entire universe yeah. and if you i don't know if, if i just don't think he cares what your genitalia is or who you sleep yeah. with like, and he's got bigger issues <laughs> yeah so how does this work with your children because now i'm thinking like and i think about my child mm -hmm. how are you presenting this to your children as they're growing up oh and that's that's the question i have i have a five-year-old and a two-year-old so my five-year-old's just now kind of getting into asking these questions. And I, I find myself falling into old ways of like teaching just cause it's not like almost second nature. Cause it's what I, I was taught. Um, but what I, what I want to do is just tell her the things that I believe, tell her the things that other people believe, but just at the end of the day, I think the, what matters the most is that we're kind and that we love people and that we are accepting of people, no matter what they believe and that it's okay to not no. And it's okay to not have answers and just to be present and to do our best in the here and now. But, you know, that's, 
I live in a very, very conservative area. I mean, we went 77% for Trump. Yeah. So I know like even in, even in the public schools, there's, she's going to be taught some stuff that is not wholly, you know, it's whitewashed and not completely true. And so I just, I just want to expand their minds to know that there are other ways of looking at things. Because when I was growing up, I was pretty much only taught one way of looking at something. And then when I got older and was like, oh my gosh, this is wrong. And like had an existential crisis because that was the only thing I had been taught. And then I had to figure out everything else for myself. So I would love to just present with them you know, as best as I can, that there are, there are so many different ways of looking at this and you can choose how you want to look at it. I think it's pretty healthy. I think, again, I think we have Mm -hmm. a very similar outlook Mm -hmm. on this because it, because I think we're at an inflection point Yeah, church and Christianity and religion, and it's turning in a direction that, yeah, who knows where it's going, but it's definitely, I feel it. I don't know. I I definitely feel it. And that's why I resonated when I saw your videos, I was like, this is me. Mm. I'm in the same place that you are Yeah, with it. And I have these conversations with my wife about it and we're on the same page and there must be a lot more people because you're certainly touching a lot of people with this and making them come out and say, yeah, you took the step that people yeah. needed to, you, you took the step. You say, Hey, we should question this. Yeah. And I, I think that honestly, just finding, like finding people like you and like people finding each other that are in the same place is so healing because for so long, you know, you feel like you're alone. You feel like you can't say the the quiet thing out loud because you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose community. You're going to lose your church, you know, but there's something also really healing about being authentic and then finding other people who are right there with you. Yeah. And I think you're like happy, like there's, I keep thinking about these videos and watching them. I'm like, man, she's getting some throwback for sure. There's gotta be. Yeah, oh yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I get, I get called a demon and antichrist oh. uh, on the weekly. So yeah. <laughs> you're like, eh, you know, it's all in a day's work, you know, yeah. but there's guts in it. You have a lot of guts and I, and we're trying to do that. It's like, we moved up here to Washington state, which is an extremely liberal place. Mm. Um, but you know, we're like, oh, all right, let's kind of find a church is similar. And I like the pastor there, but like, I wanted to have the guts like if the pastor said some things that I was like, man, this is totally not my thing to just not mm-hmm. go anymore. And yeah. He, and he did it one time. He's oh, you know, my gay brothers and sisters, you're here. You know, I don't agree with what you're doing, but you're welcome here. Mm. And I looked at my wife and I said, we're never coming back here. Mm. And she's like, yeah, Good that's for not you. Me. And I, and I think we need more of that because I'm not going to accept a place mm-hmm. that does stuff like that, no matter yeah. how nice the person is. Right. And how, you know, nice everybody is there. Mm-hmm. that's the person who's doing the message. And it's, no, I can't be a part of that, you know? Right. Because, and I think that's, that's great because for so long, the church has caused so much harm to marginalized groups like yeah. LGBTQ, but because so many people are like, Oh, but look at all the good we're doing to all these yeah. cishet people. Oh, look at all the good in these people's lives. We'll just keep going, you know, cause they're, they are doing good, even though these people, yeah. but these people have so much trauma from being constantly excluded and no one standing up for them, no one leaving the church on their behalf. So yeah. I think that's, that's a huge step. And that's something more people need to do of like, I'm not going to put up with the bad anymore, just because I also see good. Like yeah. if you're doing crappy things, I'm not going to support that no matter what your good is. Yeah, exactly. And I just think it's important because you know, what people in the past have done, you just grit it out. They just stay mm-hmm. in their church and they just, they grind it out. 
for decades. Mm -hmm. And even if it's stale, it has no yeah. meaning anymore. And, and that's what I think the Gen Z millennials are. They're like, no, we're not taking that. They don't mm -hmm. want, listen, they don't want to have bad jobs. They don't want to have bad church. They're like, listen, if it's bad, I don't want any of it. I'll be, you know what? I'll be broke. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They got a whole different set of way of living. They're like, it's okay. I'll couch surf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like I'd rather be broke and be me than, you know, be doing well and being your version of like what you want me to be. Man, that's powerful. And I think that's actually, there's a lot of hope in that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of hope in that. And I think that just, it just takes a lot of guts. So listen, I, I really appreciate your time, April, and uh, yeah. for sharing everything. I mean, it's as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I, I'm glad I didn't disappoint. No. But thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's It's been a fun time. Yeah, definitely. So uh, please let everybody know where they can watch these videos, be a part of. It is actually really funny. It's really cool. Well, thank you. Um, so most of my, all of my videos are on TikTok. You can follow me at April. A joy. So A J O Y at April joy. And then also on Instagram, I don't put all of my stuff on Instagram because I still have family that follow me there. So I've been slowly turning up the dial. <laughs> a little so bit. yes, but you can follow me on Instagram also at April joy. That's awesome. Well, you're going to, uh, for those of you guys watching this or listening, you're going to see some really hilarious stuff. April A joy. Thank you for joining us. Dr. D's social network. Thank you so much.